Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you in the building, NRG Stadium, where the Texans conducted their draft this past weekend. And wherever we happen to be, it's the Hyundai Mobile Texans radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you after being on the air for 107 hours over the weekend or whatever it was as we were doing the show last night. But we still have more to talk about in regards to the draft and also the future, the immediate future. Maybe the future as far as training camp goes. We still have sort of an up-in-the-air situation with these off-season workouts. I think that picture is going to clear up. It has to in the next few weeks here. Anyway, Johnny, good evening and welcome to the show. Have you recovered yet from the draft? How are you doing, my friend? I mean, you did a lot of work on that draft. and Then you shot the special afterwards for television. You did a ton of stuff. I feel okay. I feel all right. I I I can't trust me. I'll never complain about it for sure. But uh, I, it'll, it'll catch up to me at some point. I mean, I immediately just got up Monday and just tried to go right straight through my routine. Mm-hmm. And then instead of my 2021 draft class, I went straight to 2022 and started working on that and started looking ahead. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, I mean, I've already been doing that probably for the last month, uh, certain days at a time, just starting to get. Uh, starting to get a, a, a knowledge of it. And it's going to be, I would say, tricky. It's going to be better because there are going to be so many more players than there were this year. But trying to figure out who's a junior, who's a senior, who's a super senior, why has this guy got eight years in college? Oh, that's right, because he was a six-year senior. He got an extra red, but then he's going back for another year. But then I don't, it's crazy. And then you got transfers that are eligible immediately. So it's, it's blowing my mind. I mean, you got a receiver from Arkansas, Mike Woods, who was one of the best in the SEC just up and transferred the other day to Oklahoma because he could. Wow. wow. And I'm like, wait, I got – so trying to track all that can be a little difficult at times, but we'll get it down and we'll be ready for 2022's draft a year from now. Well, last year, right after the draft, just for this quick point to be made here – Where was Zach Wilson on the chart? Trey Lance, you know, where some of these guys were. Obviously, Davis Mills, you know, hadn't played the six games he would play this past fall. Now, we know Mills was highly regarded coming out of high school, so it wasn't a surprise that he was going to be on somebody's radar at some point. But my point is, a lot changes when you start to play the season in 2021, right? No doubt. I know going into last year, you know, the five quarterbacks, that were taken, well, just all really, you know, Lawrence and Fields, I, I felt pretty good about. And even Trey Lance, I felt very good about. I wrote something back in the spring on Trey Lance of 2020, you know, during the pandemic. Like, hey, this guy's, this guy's going to be a first-round pick. Like, this guy's a really good quarterback. So those three I felt really good about. It. Zach Wilson, I remember Dre telling us about. Just, hey, keep your eyes on this guy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, watching the first couple of games, like, okay, this thing started to come to fruition. Okay, he needs to be up there. You know, Mac Jones was the one, and I don't want to say that I didn't like Mac, but he was the one that I was not as high on as the others. But his 2020 season just really took off. Everything went right. He had the right crew around him. He had a Heisman Trophy receiver. He had Jalen Waddle for about four or five games. And then it just clicked. He was behind a great offensive line. He had a great running back. He had a lot of help around him, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been in the consideration for being a top pick. And Davis Mills was a guy that, I'll be honest, I really kind of got to know through watching a bunch of Elite 11 uh, films on YouTube. 
you know, during the pandemic, you know, I'm trying to find everything I possibly can. And so I'm in a wormhole one day on YouTube and I'm watching all these elite 11 shows and it's like Davis Mills was at the top of their list the whole time. And so that put him on my radar screen and I'm like, I, I, I know I'll need to watch this guy. And we were on the road, Mark. We were on the road. I'm trying to remember. Oh, we were, I think, were we in Indy? It was Indy or Chicago. We had those back-to-back trips in December. Yep. Indy, Chicago. And Stanford Chicago, was playing Indy. UCLA. Stanford was playing UCLA late one night. And Mills went nuts. He's throwing the Simi Fajoko. I mean, he's destroying. Now, UCLA's defense was not the 85 Bears. But I'm watching Mills just carve them up. And I'm like, yo, he's – well, this is the guy Elite 11 talked about. Like, that's the guy right there. And so that's when he really kind of popped on my radar screen right there. But I was pretty sure he was going to go back. Like, okay, he got, he's got a really good finish to 2020. It was a short season. Come back in 2021 and be a rock star for 2022. And then when he declared, I don't say it caught me off guard, but I just was of a mindset, he's going to go back. So he was kind of, you know, I don't say back end, but I didn't really get into studying him until probably, probably late March, early April. And I got a couple of games from Tom in our film department, watched him like, man, this guy's really got something. I just, again, didn't think we were going to do it. But the more I've thought about it, the more I feel like it made a lot of sense at 67, given everything that happened prior to, i.e. seven quarterbacks being drafted before. And what I felt like projecting Davis Mills in 2021 in college, what he would have been in 2022. And that is, I believe he would have been a first round pick. I know he would have been. Had he had a good season and stayed healthy, I know he would have been a first-round pick. I know it. So getting him in a third round, I feel, is a definite buy low and hopefully sell high down the road. Well, you know, we brought this up during the draft show. And, you know, when you draft a player in this spot, look, it's a third-round selection. Yes, it is a quarterback. They have different a different value system when you evaluate them and when you project what they might be to your franchise or somebody else's if you end up trading them. At some point, just like when Charlie Casserly traded for Drew Henson and was yeah. able to flip that for a higher pick the following year, because, look, it was a, a chance for him uh, to take a, a signal caller that might turn into something. Now, Henson had the baseball thing. It's not apples to apples, I know, but it is sure. a quarterback and they do have exceptional value in this league for a very good reason. It's the most important position on the team. Johnny, I want to go to the back end of the draft to Roy Lopez, because Stopping the run was difficult for the Texans last year. They have to get better at that. Now, it's not like they were sitting there in the sixth round like, all of our problems are solved now (laughs) because we've drafted Roy Lopez. They didn't say that, okay? But you have to keep adding to the mix, and clearly they did it a ton in free agency. Uh, But this is an intriguing player who could turn into something right there. And then I want to get to some of the reports on the undrafted free agents, but your thoughts on Lopez now that you had a couple of days to sort of reevaluate things. Well, I was so excited that you had hit on a late round Vandermock. I mean, yes. you crushed it. You know, I was like, that's that's awesome. So I went back and I watched the USC game. And there's a point, and that was actually that was one of the closer games Arizona played. And USC, it's a back and forth, but USC's got the ball. It's in the second quarter, I think it is, and they're down inside the 10 yard line. And USC's trying to run a power play to the left out of I formation. And so I'm trying to, and you know this being a broadcaster, I, I cannot stand 
when the colors are so close that you can't pick them out. You can't, oh. there's not a white highlight around them. You can't figure it out. So it's a, it's a red Jersey with blue numbers or blue with red. I can't remember exactly, but it's, it's not easily discernible. Like what number everybody is. Then the ball is snapped. And I watch one of the offensive linemen get bent over. I mean, literally bent in half. And I'm like, ah, I found Roy. I mean, took an offensive lineman. I, I tried. I, I couldn't figure out how to do it. I, I'm sure there are some, some tech-savvy YouTubers out there that could have been like, clip it, clip it, boom, send it to you guys. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. But I was going to send it to you all and say, look at this. This is what we were missing. Now, that's against college kids i say in air quotes because you know really they're not kids they're eligible to vote they're not kids but i'm telling you mark he took this offensive lineman and just bench pressed him in half and i'm like wow i've realized i have a type when it comes to defensive linemen you do i do i like shorter stout wrestlers that are strong as oxes oxen because I've gone through and I've thought about guys that I've really liked on the defensive line. Grady Jarrett from Clemson. I love Darren Donald. Those guys all had something in common. They're all 6'1 or less. And Roy, I think, might be a shade over 6'1. But they are automatic leverage winners just based on how short they are. And, I mean, they're, called, they're, they're taller than the general public, but in the world of football, they're short. I mean, think offensive sure. linemen. I think all of our offensive linemen are like 6'5", 6'6". He's 6'1", so he's naturally leveraged against an offensive line. Then he bench-pressed 225, 36 times. Then he's a wrestler, so he understands foot-hip placement, what to do with hands, where to place hands. He grew up a coach's son, and his dad said he's as smart with a football IQ as anybody you're going to find. So you throw all that together, and you're like, in the sixth round? Yeah. Give, give me some, please. And I, I just love the fact that he's coming to Houston because I, I think he's given them something up front they may not have. And it's not really size as much as it is strength, leverage, and that wrestling ability I think is massive. Massive. UCLA's Oso Digizuwa got drafted by the Cowboys. Every time I watched him, I'm like, man, he wins leverage no matter what. And then you go find out, yeah, he's a three-time heavyweight champion in high school well that's what Roy was he's a two-time heavyweight in Arizona and that comes through on the field but you match it up with 36 rep bench press strength oh man you got a dude what about the undrafted free agents Johnny we did not see too many now they're pushing toward the top of the roster number here and it's just the kind of year where with all the free agents they've signed I guess there was not going to be much room, much vacancy in the hotel, as my buddy Jim Mandich used to say, for (laughs) undrafted free agents to come in. But you were telling me during our draft show, hey, the Aggies might have had the best offensive line in college football. They didn't win the award for it, uh, but they were right there. And Alabama has that brand name recognition, which helps in awards. It's kind of like the Oscar voting, right? But you got two of those Aggies reportedly. They haven't announced any of this stuff, but you read the reports about it. So your thoughts on what they were able to get in that second wave? They got two of the five maroon goons, as they call them. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, Dan Moore, left tackle in the fourth round. The left guard, Kenyon Green, is probably going to be a first-rounder next year. You signed Ryan McCollum, so undrafted free agent. 
Right guard Jared Hawker, I thought it was fantastic. I'm not exactly sure where he went. I thought he should have been drafted. And then uh, right tackle was Carson Green, who the Texans signed. And, you know, Carson was at the Senior Bowl. And the first day, I'm like, man, he really struggled. But what I loved about the way he battled back were days two and three, the same guys he struggled with day one. Now he's making adjustments. And now he's starting to handle these guys a little bit better. He's starting to have a little bit more pop in the run game. And I I love seeing that. And, look, developmental linemen, especially those that have been experienced in the SEC, take a shot, no doubt. Now, Carson, he might go to guard, too. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Ryan McCollum was the center. He was, he, was the, he was the engine for that offensive line. He was the brains of that unit. He made sure everybody was where they needed to be. And I felt like that offensive line went to a completely different level in 2020. In 2020. They were phenomenal week in and week out. And, yes, Kenyon Green is the star of that group. But the four other guys just really, you know, they were all the glue. I think McCollum was the one that was the glue that kept everything together. So I think they've got two – developmental pieces you bring them here you let them see uh what you got and and you roll on and you bring in Carson Green and you let him sit next to Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard and learn and let him sit next to Rod Johnson and let Rod share his story and you learn and Ryan McCollum sits next to Justin Britt every day and and learns you know the tips and tricks uh and things that Justin Britt has so I love I love signing those two Aggies I thought the two receivers are very very interesting um, that according to sources, we are not going to get these official. Um, but Damon Hazleton was a transfer from Virginia Tech. So when he went to Missouri, you know, that's the thing. Sometimes transfers kind of grab like, wait a second. That doesn't seem right. Like, wait, that's not the like, wait, where did he go? Oh, he's at Virginia Tech. And he transferred to Missouri. And I thought he had a decent year. I don't think he had a great year, but he's big. He's six. He's a shade under six, three, about 205, 210, somewhere in there. And very similar to Nico in that he's probably an outside-the-numbers guy right now, and he just work on those things to get him better to be a complete receiver. And then Marlon Williams for UCF might have been – in fact, he was. He was UCF's, I think, best receiver. I don't think he was the best athlete. He did not run extremely well his pro day. It was like in the 4-6 range. But great after the catch. You get him something, he gets it after the catch. He is tough, tough to bring down. So you bring him here. You add those two guys to the mix, and you never know what's going to end up happening when they drafted free agents. They made a lot of additions at receiver, and they already had a number of wide receivers in the building already, and they drafted a guy in the third round, their second pick overall, in the mix. So receiver is going to be a competitive, competitive spot, but you and I both know 2017 is the first year that comes to mind. We are at the Greenbrier. Every single receiver was off schedule because of injuries they were bringing in guys left and right last year the top four never practiced together and never on the field together until they played their first game in kansas city so there's competition but now there's depth and i think it's quality depth even with the rookies i think nico damon hazelton and marlon williams if that is what's if that is a becomes official at some point that those are the three rookies that are added to the mix I think they did a pretty solid job with all the receivers. I've mentioned many times, Mark, you know this. I said the receiver group was exceptional this year. And to come away without a first or second round pick and walk away with Collins and Hazleton and Marlon Williams, that's a pretty nice haul amongst the receiver group in this 2021 draft class.
Well, and also as far as pass catching goes, Brevin Jordan, and we can get to him later. Yes. Now you brought up the offensive line. Well, I brought up the offensive line, but you brought up Rod Johnson, and it's a good example of somebody who kind of hangs in there. He could start for some teams in this league, no doubt about that. He did a good job in uh, a spot start duty last year for the Houston Texans where they were starting to have some really good production uh, on the offensive side of the ball with Rod Johnson getting a ton of snaps. And I think that it's a great example of somebody who put the time in to work out, to get his body right. And with O-Lyman, Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the position group that has more spots on a roster than any other because they have five guys and very often of the 53 are keeping nine, if not 10. Uh, then you have a bunch of the practice squad. You always want to have a lot in the pipeline because when these guys go down, you have to absolutely refill that. And it's hard to just step in and start and help out a team. Uh, so they want to keep developing guys. And there's a lot of room to get better here and to make it in this league. And even if it's not with the team that signs you or drafts you, there's a lot of room for opportunity in the National Football League for these big sluggasauruses, as my buddy Art Kehoe used to say at the University of Miami, because they are able to you know, take these giant leaps in improvement and technique with really good coaching and physically handling themselves maybe differently or better than they did in college. And all of a sudden you see this sort of quantum leap relative to maybe other position groups you see, and these guys can catch on and go. So, you know, we've seen it here before. We mentioned Greg Mance and Mike Brazel as undrafted free agent wide receivers who have done, I mean, uh, offensive linemen who have done well. I'm not saying these guys are going to do it, but it's nice to have the opportunity for them and for the team to have a chance to see them flourish. No doubt. And you, you use Rod Johnson. That's a great example. And sometimes a team gives up on a guy and I shouldn't say gives up on a guy, but you know, sometimes it's a numbers game. Hey, look, we like you, but we just, we can't keep you. We got to bring in, we got to bring an extra corner because we got three corners down. So we got to let you go. And I remember when Rod got here in 2018, I believe it was, he gets here in 2018. And I remember watching thinking, okay, I, I see why you bring in guys for depth, et cetera. But I wasn't seeing it. It was kind of the same Rod we had seen in co- that I had seen in college and I thought it just isn't going to fly. Rod came back in 2019. He looked like a different player. He had a full year to develop. In training camp, I went up to him just and said, I don't know what this all means, but Rod, I got to tell you, you're, you're as improved as anybody I've seen. Wow. You've, you've been really, really good in camp. And he kind of looked at me like he was surprised I was saying it. And I was like, I'm just being honest with you, man. You have come a long way. I said, I don't know what it means. I don't know if that means you can start going to feel whatever the case might be, but you have come a long way. You just need to know that whatever work you have put in is evident. And he was, you know, very thankful for that. But then he gets on the field in 2020, 2019, and he does some good things in 2019, such that you got to have him in 2020 if somebody goes down. And lo and behold, what happens at the end of the year? Guys go down. He's got to step in. And when he did, oh, our run game got pretty darn good when he got in the lineup. So. Rod Johnson's a guy, and I saw him the other day in the hallway. And, Mark, I remember seeing Rod in 2018 and seeing him now, and he looks like – he just body-wise just looks like a different guy, completely different guy. He put the work He's in. He's come so far. Yeah, he put he the put work the, in, and look what – I mean, Carson Green and, and Ryan McCollum need to be walked over to him and say, this can be you. This can be you in a few years. It might not hit right away. It may not even be in Houston. But look at what Rod Johnson was able to do and what he's become. You can be that. All right. So I don't want to be Debbie Downer or anything here, but I need to see 
when these guys and how these guys can get on the field and start gelling. I need to see it. And I know the coaches must be going crazy. You know, they want to coach. Coaches want to coach. This just in breaking news that David Cully and company want to see these players on the field ASAP. There's got to be something soon. There's a lot of uncertainty about that. Look, you know you have training camp coming up, but this is where the veteran teams are going to have a big advantage. Now, we thought the Texans might have a bit of an advantage last year because they had a lot of, I don't know if you'd call them a veteran team or not, but they had a lot of guys in spots that they were used to playing. You were trying to break in the receiving crew, but as you and I saw in training camp, and you just pointed out earlier in the segment that a lot of injuries or whatever they were doing at the wide receiver spot, you were just never able to get that new crew on the field at the same time. You need to get whatever crew you have on the field, ASAP, like I said, because they've got to get a chance to gel, get some chemistry going, because the season's going to start before you know it. We're under three months away from the start of training camp, and it's fast and furious now. Man. I mean, I didn't think about that. It's May 4th. May 4th be with you. It's a Star Wars thing, apparently. But, I mean, we'll be in camp, I mean, earlier than August 4th, but that's three months away. I mean, so we're less than, yeah, we're less than three, we're less than three months away from training camp, which sounds mm-hmm. just incredibly, I mean, crazy, but I, I wish there was some sort of breaking in, breaking in period, if you will, to, you know, let these guys get on the field and the players were amenable to getting on the field for, hey, you know, like the spring practice in college football and the coaches have, I think, it used to be 20, it might be 15, now I don't know how many. They've got a certain number of practices. They spread them out. Then they take the week of spring break. So they do a few before spring break, some after. Some try to do it all before. But they really have taken a, just a different look um, and done different things with spring practice. I think you could do that with these players. Let them train where they want to train. Bring them back for half of the month of May, half of the month of August. Or uh, June, I mean. What am I doing? So two weeks back into May. Two weeks to beginning of August or June. Why do I keep saying August? I keep thinking training camp. Four weeks total. Three OTAs, three mini, uh, week of mini camp. Boom, done, out. And that's your quote-unquote spring. There you we're go. Not, we're not going to get that this year. We're not getting no, that much. No, we're not getting that. Yeah. I'm just saying eventually oh, I yeah. think you could get to something like that. Yeah, but even nice. if this year, Mark, you just get a week. Just get a week. Yeah. Crash right. course immersion program. Yeah. You brought it up and, and you made the great point just to sort of get your feet wet, you know, go in yeah. hip, hip deep, know where things are, you know, know the lay of the land and the facility. So that way, when you do show up for training camp, bam, you can get going. And when I say know the lay of the land, also know the offense a little bit, at least have some of those foundational plays in the memory yep. bank, muscle memory, so when you get to late July, you can start going. You, you will have the three preseason games, which compared to last year is just a oh, bonanza huge. to get some of these young players baptized in the NFL and get the free agents that you signed acclimated to being Texans and what the 2021 Texans are going to look like. Okay, coming up, more likely to happen. And we've got quarterbacks, drafted quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks. We've got hair. We have a lot of stuff happening. More likely to happen next on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans All Access. And, Johnny, we usually do this on Thursdays or later in the week, but we haven't done it in a while because of various reasons. The NFL draft, one yes. of them. So let's do more likely to happen. Let's have the first one. More likely to happen. 
more likely to happen. Jimmy Garoppolo stays. Jimmy Garoppolo goes. Uh, what is my time frame? Because eventually Jimmy Garoppolo will go. I'm saying 2021. No, I, I think he stays. For he 2021, stays. I think I think he stays. Now, it'll gum up the works a little bit, kind of, if Jimmy is all that in a bag of chips, which I'm not saying he's ever really been that, but 2017, he was pretty darn good. 2018, he wasn't healthy. 2019, he was healthy. He led him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he made one overthrow. Okay, got it. But he got him to the Super Bowl. It was pretty good that year. 2020, he's back being banged up. And he's on the field. He does some good things. I think, as crazy as it sounds, the longer you can keep the number three pick on the sideline, the better off the 49ers are probably going to be. Just giving that young man the opportunity to learn at his own pace. He's got to be ready each and every Sunday. He's, you know, he's one sprained ankle away from getting on the field. However, you let Jimmy do his thing, and maybe you have a package for Trey Lance down on the goal line or something like that just to keep him involved. But if you keep Jimmy all year long, I think Jimmy will do some good things. And at the end of the year, if he has a good year, you know you can, you can move him. There will be teams looking for quarterbacks. Some team may not want to pay a premium for some quarterbacks. Some teams will may not want to pay a premium to get one in a top five in a draft. And there's Jimmy sitting there. Hey, we'll give him to you for a good price. Give us uh, uh, your uh, second round pick this year and your second round pick next year. We'll give him to you. But I think he stays. You know, Jimmy said, Jimmy, we talk about him like it's a Seinfeld episode. Jimmy, Jimmy. likes Jimmy likes Elaine. Jimmy likes. But Jimmy said <laughs> He said, it, you know, my career has come full circle. I feel like in the early days and I was competing with Tom and then the media is jumping all over him for saying competing with Tom, like the two women in that reality show meme when they're yelling at the cat who's sitting in the chair. Yeah. You're not yeah. you never competed with Tom. You never competed with. Tom. Listen, he's just talking. OK, everybody calm down here. Far be it for me to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. But if I have to inspire him, I'll say Drew Brees. Drew Brees saw Philip Rivers drafted by the San Diego yep. Chargers and really started to rev it up, get going, ended up with the Saints. We all know the rest of the story. Use this as a Drew Breesian type experience. Make the 49ers have to make a very difficult decision because there's no guarantee that Trey Lance is going to play well. This just in as well. All right, Johnny, next up and more likely to happen. Let's have it. More likely to happen. Eight plus starts this year. Eight or more starts this year. Mac Jones or Trey Lance, more likely to happen, more starts in 2021. I'm going to go. That's a great one. I'm going to go Mac Jones. Okay. Because I think there's going to come a point where, where Cam just, just is, is broken down. I mean, you know, the last 18, 19, 20, the last, last three years, I mean, he's not been fully healthy for long stretches of the year, if not the whole year. And it's not like he's getting any younger. So I would, I would bet more money that he's liable to be banged up. Then again, so is Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's not proven that he can stand the field. However, odd years, Jimmy has played a significant amount of the games. And by the way, while we're here, Mark, I, I want to, I want to kind of, wanna, oh boy. there was something I, I, and I, I wish I could, could quote it perfectly, but I was listening to, I think it was Sean and Seth talk about there was there were some people, there was a there was a text or something they got saying, Well, this, you know, why why would you take 
oh, I know what it was. It was, you know, if if Deshaun Watson were entrenched as the starter, the Texans would have never drafted Davis Mills. Really? And I went back and I was like, wait a second. Nick Casario came to the Patriots and he has been in that war room mm-hmm. with Tom Brady on, on the docket when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round and two years later drafted J- Jacoby Brissett in 2016 in right. the third round. Yep. So, yeah, don't tell me that. I mean, and Tom Brady's pretty good, yet you still spend a second and a third on a quarterback. Yep. So don't give me this, oh, yeah, well, one had to lead to the other. No. So, anyways, back to the point. Well, no, I think but, Mac but, Jones is the one. But they also they traded Jimmy for a two. They could have got four probably. And they probably, traded yep. Dorsett for what player? Oh, uh, Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett. Yeah. yeah. Who was the former first-round receiver. Yeah. So, look, the uh, like I said, hey, see, quarterbacks have value. See? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, so uh, you're going to say it's Mac Jones in all likelihood. I'm going to go, go Mac Jones. Yeah. All right. More likely to happen. Next one. More likely to happen. More likely to have more receptions for the Houston Texans. Oh. Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan. Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan. More receptions. This is a really tough one. Now, I know yeah. the receiver room is crowded. And moves will have to be made to have the proper number of receivers on a 53-man roster, as we all know. Yes. And the tight end room is kind of crowded, and they'll have high hopes for Jordan. But, look, there's no guarantee here. We saw Kahali Waring drafted in round three, and he got hurt. You know, the rest of the story. So, And they could have brought him back from IR that year, but they were going pretty good in 2019, and there wasn't really a need to bring him back. Let him have a redshirt year. We'll pick it up in 2020. And obviously, it didn't go as well as planned. But the point is this. You just don't know. So what do you think? My theory is that Nico is, at least early on, going to be a guy a lot like he was at Michigan. His final year in Michigan was 2019. He caught 37 passes for 729 yards. That's nearly a 20-yard average. So high volume of yards, low volume of catches. Okay. I could see who's ever playing quarterback trying to find outlets to Brevin Jordan, and maybe there are more receptions, but maybe not as many yards. Although I do think that Brevin Jordan has the capability at some point when it clicks for him to be a big-time seam threat, which can create, as we saw with these tight ends, when Darren Fells, Jordan Akins over the years, that created some big yards for them. But I think Jordan can be a very reliable outlet. You can take Jordan, you can stick him out wide, one on, you know, just on his own, throw him a little now screen, and he's one-on-one against a corner or a safety or whomever, and that's a reception. You could do that with Nico too, but you're probably going to use Nico in a, in a speedy capacity going down the field living outside the numbers so i'm gonna go brevin jordan on that one just in theory the tight ends having a few more opportunities just because of where they live route wise versus what nico does down the field right now good way to answer it receptions versus yards i like it big play impact for collins might actually be better this year we'll see uh, maybe neither guy sees the field. They're rookies. Who knows? But we're just talking here. It's May and it's Texans All Access. All right, let's <laughs> let's continue. One more in this segment of more likely to happen, and it features hair, Johnny. More likely to happen. More likely to be remembered as the Texan with better hair. Brooks Reed, DeAndre Hopkins, 
Roy Lopez, seventh round draft pick <laughs> from this year, <laughs> or or somebody else we're not thinking of here, or I'm not thinking of. I guess you could say Jamie Sharper back in the day. Oh, man, I I don't know who you wouldn't. Dante be Robinson. Of. I don't know. I mean, Brooks. It's it's got to be Brooks Reed. Yeah. Nobody had hair like Sunshine. I mean that 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 <laughs> mane was. You know, Gilly's hair was a lot like Brooks Reed's hair. He Gilly, unfortunately was, yeah. was not here for an extended period of time. But I'm gonna go Brooks Reed because that uh, that sunshine that sunshine do man, it was nice. Now Will Fuller's yeah. I, in uh, 2019, I think Will had let that yeah. grow long, really, really long. Um, that was. I'm sure there's somebody we're missing, but right off the top, those I would say Brooks Reed. Do you think that Sunshine and Remember the Titans helps older coaches overlook long hair in evaluating no. athletes? No, not at all. <laughs> Do you think not, coaches care? Not at all. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, I forgot to bring Absolutely. up Clowney. Clowney's hair, John. Clowney was yeah. Clowney was yeah. It was. Didn't Clowney? Didn't Clowney one time tackle somebody by the dreadlocks? Or did he didn't didn't he get pulled also by the dreads? He, he might have been, but I want to say that he yanked the hair out of somebody's head after tackling them. Derrick Henry? Eh. No, I don't remember. Now Derrick Henry's boy, what he does with that little elephant tail or whatever you call that thing. Oh my goodness. That thing is. That thing is wild. That thing's yeah. got a zip code of its own, man. Holy smokes. Yeah. I, and and yet you might want to try and grab it, grab him by that, but no, you just forget. Not happening. It's it's over. Um, I'm still gonna go Brooks Reed on that one, but I'm sure there's somebody that we're absolutely forgetting. Uh Clowney's a good one, but I'm I'm going Brooks Reed. All right, quick perusal of the AFC South draft, not including the Houston Texans, and also teams the Texans will be facing with interesting draft choices. Here in 2021, it's Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny, AFC South drafts. I'll get to that in a minute. We can do a whole show on that. But interesting draft choices the Texans will face this year. They face the AFC East, so you'll face Zach Wilson in all likelihood at NRG Stadium. That's going to be pretty cool to have Wilson at NRG Stadium. It will be nice. The one that I really am not looking forward to facing, mm-hmm. Miami. Jalen Waddle with Will Fuller with Devontae Parker could be not fun for AFC East foes. Mm, that's that down in South Florida, too. That's down in South Florida. So, yeah, wow. Um, we could see Mac Jones. That, that could be kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see Mac Jones. Either way, it'll be back at Energy Stadium. That I like. I don't want to go back up to Gillette. No. Dumb, no, dumb, I don't. Johnny, I want to go back up to Gillette, but not well, right I want to now. Beam up there, but yeah, not right now. Not I want right to go now. up there. Yeah, guns blazing. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to go up right now. But, but you know, right here, NRG Stadium got two uh, two season winning streak against him. Could see Mac Jones. That could be that could be pretty fun. We're facing the NFC West as well. Now the Seahawks. Okay, over under just off the top of your head. I'm setting it at five. How many draft picks did the uh, Seattle Seahawks have? Yeah, under. I'll set the number at three and a half. How many did they have? <laughs> under. Yeah, they had three. Yeah. <laughs> they had three. Now, they made the most of it, I guess. They had three picks. 
That's amazing. Three. That three. That's amazing. It's it's going to be fascinating to see what kind of season they have, considering some of the rumblings about Wilson mm-hmm. and then the three draft choices and like, let's see what you got, guys. Uh, yeah. But that division is brutal. So to play them this year, ouch. Yeah. And you're going to go could to Arizona. S- yeah. Could see Trey Lance. Could. You could. Oh, yeah. You could. definitely could see Trey Lance. You know, you're not going to see Mall Santa. Let's put it that way uh, with the San Francisco <laughs> 49ers. And, and you're going to see Matthew <laughs> Stafford at NRG Stadium playing yeah. back in the Lone Star <sighs> State. He's from Highland Park, suburb of Dallas. It's going to be fun to see him here. Trevor Lawrence, I'll ask you again. Is there any way he does not start opening day for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I don't know how, unless it's an injury. I'm not wishing injury on anybody. I, I, I would imagine you, they've got to get the future started now. I, I mean, if just in preseason games, he's just brutal. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go well the first three or four weeks. Ooh. And they just need to calm him down then maybe they go with Gardner Minshew at that point, maybe, and maybe we catch him in that way. I, I just don't see it, though. I, I don't see it. I mean, I, right. he's got – he's the guy. He's the, the guy. The schedule comes out a week from tomorrow. Pick your opening day opponent. I'm allowing you to pick your first three teams here. First three teams you get to play, Johnny. You get to decide who the Texans play. And, by the way, the preseason mm-hmm. schedule will come out, too, I would imagine – yeah. And this year, the league is handling all the preseason games very often. Well, in the past, the teams have arranged this with some help and supervision from the league and nationally televised games put into the mix. But now with only three, the league has stepped in and said, we got this. And okay. they're scheduling the preseason games. Texans have three. They'll have one at home and two on the road in the preseason for here. Twenty twenty one. Go on. I want to face Carolina first week at home because I feel like Sam Darnold with Joe Brady will get better. Okay. So catching Carolina in December is going to, is going to stink because I think Darnold will be much, much better. So you're going to open at home with Carolina. What's week two? Yes. I want to go to Jacksonville. Nice. Catch like Trevor it. Lawrence kind of at the, you know, the rookie stages and go down to Duval County before they kind of get in a lather as well. <laughs> so go with uh, Carolina and then Jacksonville and then let's come back home. And let's take on an 0-2 Jets team. <laughs> okay, and Zach like Wilson. This. Zach Wilson potentially making his first start on the road after losing twice in MetLife to start the year. Uh, isn't Wilson starting opening day for them? Oh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. They lose oh. the first two. He's oh, shaking okay. up a little bit. Robert Sala's coming back to Houston. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure on them to get a win. And it's safe. Save the Colts for later. Let Wentz, you know, Wentz will get hurt. And then you can play yeah. whoever, you know, Sam Ellinger back at NRG Stadium. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. And I, I don't want to see anybody get hurt either. I'm joking. This is terrible. But, you know, Wentz does not have a very good history of staying healthy. Nope. Johnny, who's drafted you like best from an objective standpoint? Because I hate them all. The Colts, the Jags, or the Titans? Who had the best draft I know the Jags got a lot of love because they Lawrence and ETN and everything, but what are your thoughts on this whole subject? I, I liked not just the volume in Jacksonville. I liked the players they picked. I thought ETN was kind of a little bit of an odd choice at running back, but I loved their middle rounds, uh, you know, second round in particular, Tyson Campbell, Walker Little. I thought they were very good. Jalen Camp, seventh round receiver at the very end. He got a seventh rounder. He's an excellent seventh round receiver, Six. 
263, about 230. He can run the 4-5 range. He's an athlete. So I like what Jacksonville did. I love the first two picks for the Colts and Quiddy Pay and Deo Dengbo, but I don't know when we'll see Odengbo on the field. And Pay's got a, a room to grow, but I love everything about that young man. If you haven't seen his his story or the video on his story, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. His mom freeing from Lib, uh, Liberia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it'll just, oh, my goodness. The Titans were kind of hit or miss for me. Caleb Farley was a massive hit for them, I thought. I was like, it!" They did the same thing with Jeffrey Simmons. This is going to work out. Farley, I think, was a great pick. Radon's excellent pick. The back end where they went, Rashard Weaver, Racy McMath, and Brady Breeze, I felt like they just threw those three picks away. I, don't, I, I was not a big fan of, of any of those guys. Maybe Brady Breeze in the seventh round, but I loved – Elijah Molden at 100, pick 100, and Destin Patrick at 109. I love those picks. So I think the top five guys. But the fact that Rashad Weaver, they drafted in a week and a half before, a week before, whatever it was, got in trouble, in big-time trouble. Wow. It's just like, again? They did it last year with Isaiah Wilson, and now it's happening again? Man, that's, it hasn't been a good look for Tennessee for sure. No, it hasn't. And I don't know how – you know, I could go both ways. I don't know how you find out. I don't know how you not find out yeah. what happened. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. Same thing. It's not like it happened that morning and it just he snuck through or whatever. And I have a beef with his agent, you know, at that particular point. Hey, yeah. you know, we picked him. What's going on here? Right. Uh, but, right. you know, that's and it's their problem. It's not the Texans problem. And everybody's got their own problems. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. as we get ready for 2021 here, Johnny, uh, really great to have you on as always. And uh, let's do it again tomorrow. Let's have some fun on what it. was for the artist formerly known as Draft Wednesday. But we will definitely have the schedule for you one week from tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central and live on all our digital channels, social media platforms and everything. And we'll have a pre-scheduled release show right here. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks to everyone for participating, for being involved, for listening. Go to the Texans app for more information on your Texans. Have a great night and go Texans.